0: Learning Scripture, Knowing Christ. Welcome to the hashtag One Fear podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to the hashtag One Fear podcast. And today we have the trio, but we're not in the upper room. We are spread abroad. Freaky. It's uh, <laughs> Ray. Uh, okay, so we're not doing the video, but in uh, Ray is there somewhere. But all we see is the background, and I think that's. <laughs> Captain America's legs that I see on that poster. That's
1: all of Captain America I only
0: see about. his from like his waist down. So mm-hmm. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> and then we have Danielle, who's not in the upper room with me. Hi. Um we're, oh yeah, you're in our room. So we're not doing any feedback. But we have a very, very special guest with us, Alicia Wood. Yeah, I said very, very, very special. special. Very, very, very. Special. Double varies. <laughs> uh, yeah, she. You actually mean a lot to us, Alicia, because we. Oh. How many times we've seen you at Creation Fest, and uh, listened to mm-hmm. uh, different stuff that you have, uh, and just talking to you. You are so down to earth. I think that's like the best thing I, that I love about you. <laughs> like it, it's just like, hey, we could have a conversation. And this person's like talked all over the, all over the state. Have you been out of the state to? I forget. Like if country?
2: You mean yeah? Oh, the country.
0: Yeah, out of the out of yeah. the states. That's the same thing as the country. Oh, the states. I
2: think yeah. it's states. It sounded yeah. like state. Yeah. Yeah. We no, we didn't hear the plural. That's our fault. So yeah, okay. I've definitely <laughs> I've definitely left the state and states. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Heads up! Um, I talk
0: really weird. I'm just okay. saying. All right.
2: <laughs> We've now discovered that. Yeah. So, um, no. Yes. Yeah, so I have done mostly when I leave when I leave America. It's usually for Canada. When it comes to ministry. And then but I have done India and Australia um for ministry as well. I think those are the other two, yeah. So, but usually I'm in America or US. I mean, whoa. Okay, let's try it again. Usually I'm in America <laughs> or Canada.
0: I rub off You're on people great. too. <laughs> I was gonna say,
2: Don, this is your fault. Like I blame you already. <laughs>
1: Oh my gosh yeah. See, th- often- this is why
0: we like you so much
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well i mean the first time i talked to you you were looking for a missing uh pet stand to use oh. for notes
2: <laughs> yes <laughs> like a music stand it was fun i enjoyed yep. it yep um, super important and, th- and the thing is when you're outside at creation fest the wind blows so you have oh, to bring yeah. like clips so yep. that your papers yeah. don't blow everywhere. So, yeah, it's a whole different thing.
0: And then you need like a third arm to unclip it so you could turn the page. Yeah, turn yep. the pages. <laughs> yeah. It's a whole process.
2: <laughs> it is a whole process. Oh, my gosh. So
1: give us a little bit about like how you got into what you're doing um, and maybe some of the different things you've done in the past.
2: Yes. So what have I done in the past and, and how did I get involved with what I'm doing? So, you know, I was one of those, I was a criminal justice and sociology major for my undergrad, and I really uh, always enjoyed kind of the investigative approach to things. Let's look at the evidence, let's talk to the eyewitnesses, let's see what's written, let's see what we can gather. And I always loved the investigation. I grew up reading Encyclopedia Brown, so some people may remember those Encyclopedia Brown oh, yeah. books, The ch- yeah. Kid Detective. Yeah, it was so good. And so I grew up reading those, and I love those, and then... um, so it was kind of natural, I think, for me to kind of take the same approach to Christianity. I grew up in a Christian home, uh, went to Sunday school and uh, youth group, and all the things that that you do as a as a as a kid. Sunday morning church, Sunday evening church, all the things. And um, I think I just, as I got older, or even as honestly as I, even as I was younger, I always wanted to go deeper, and I always wanted to understand more about Christianity. I was never okay with just being on the surface. And so it was a natural, I think, progression for. Me, as someone who was really inquisitive, I was an annoying kid in class where the teacher's like, All right, I can let you guys all go early unless anybody has any of their questions. And here's Alicia. I have a question. Um, I don't quite understand this math thing, or I don't, quite, you know, I mean, like, I love learning and I always had a lot of questions. So, me having a career and answering people's questions is just such a good fit for me. <laughs> but um, so, yeah, so then I, so I, was in, I always like the investigation, always like the questions, always like going deeper. And so when I got to college and I became a criminal justice major, never did I plan on being an apologist. I always thought that's for people who have like 18 PhDs and speak 45 (laughs) languages. Um, but the Lord has a different plan than what you have. Um, and so I end up, uh, studying a year of apologetics in England. And then I, uh, joined RZIM, Robbie Zacharias, International Ministries with them for eight years. And then joined Lighten and was there for one year almost, and then here I am today. And so basically, I've done about nine years now of apologetics full time, which has been great. And uh, basically, the, you know, the way I think about it is apologists are kind of like the, the detectives or the investigators of the Christian Christian world. Like we look at the, we want to see what does the evidence lead us. Does it lead us to that this is true? Or does it lead to that something else might be? And so we are in the investigators. So it fits really well with my criminal justice background. Nice. Nice.
1: So did you go into that straight from finishing your bachelor's?
2: No. So I did my bachelor's and then I did my master's a couple years later in social justice And, uh, and then during this time, before it was a fad now it's like a fad, but before it was like, I wanted to work in the developing world and help orphanages and this kind of stuff. But, um, then, yeah, then I, uh, I was working in like really cool restaurants and I was also doing some teaching and teaching kids, substitute teaching, homeschool teaching, just a range of things before I ended up studying apologetics. So it was a good 10 year span before, between my undergrad and when I actually studied apologetics. Awesome. Nice. Well, you've got a lot. (laughs) (laughs)
0: And and that's why we have you on the podcast for this topic that we're talking about, uh, that is deconstruction. So are you guys ready? We're ready. All right. Here Mm -hmm. we go. This is where we're starting (laughs) now. Oh my gosh! All right, all right. So the the first thing I want to know is how prevalent has deconstruction become mm. by at, at this point in time? Yeah, it, you know, so it's de- one of those things that you really haven't heard about until more recently. Yeah, yeah,
2: right. And that's the thing, Dom. Like that's what makes this whole thing actually kind of funny. Is basically what deconstruction is is someone who is a Christian who says, you know what, I'm questioning. I've got questions about my faith. I've got questions about what I believe in. I no longer think this is true. And they walk away. Basically, it's just what people have done for thousands of years. It's just saying, I believe Christianity. I no longer believe Christianity. But lately, we've just put a term to it called deconstruction. We used to say, maybe in Christian circles, oh, they fell away. Or you say, like, they no longer believe. That's really all deconstruction is. But now it's become like, like, it's something to hashtag. Like it's it's a yeah. like it's a group to join, uh, and it's so there's nothing new necessarily about deconstruction. People have been questioning Christianity and leaving Christianity every day for thousands of years, just like they've been joining it every day for thousands of years. But now it's what's become it's become a hashtag. It's become a group. It's become like a movement, and it's and people who have names maybe or in the public in the Christian world have 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 made it almost a sense of. I think, I think there's a balance of like sadness, but also a sense of I'm, I'm intellectual now, or I'm a thinker now, or I'm rational now versus when I was a Christian, or it could be they're sad about it, but they feel a sense of relief or they feel like a weight's been taking off of their shoulder. They feel like they're more free, um, or they feel like people haven't been dealing with these questions and they've been misled and Christians and the church haven't given them the full truth or the full picture. And so... People feel like a, sometimes a sense of um, I'm no longer being deceived and things like that. So there's a bunch of reasons why people are walking away and different w- ways that they experience things afterwards. So, yeah, it's become something that's become much bigger in terms of a name. But in terms of the actual action, it's nothing unusual. Yeah. yeah.
0: Hmm. Uh, Does it, it
1: almost seemed like a fad, too. Not Maybe not yeah, a I, fad. That's what like I was going cool to say. Yeah.
0: that's what it seems like almost especially when it's like it's as if they're trying to make it a movement when really it's like you know it's like yeah we need these types of rights and everything like there were actual literal movements that were very pivotal but this one it's kind of like i want my attention you know
1: Mm -hmm. well i think like the one thing that i've noticed so you take like joshua harris like, instead of just addressing the part that maybe he got wrong, he decided to throw everything away and say, I, you know, I'm walking away. I'm smart now. I apologize for everything that I ever taught you. And I, like, But it also seems to be, like, across the board. Like, they take something that they don't like, mm-hmm. especially, you know, purity culture from when we were growing up. Mm-hmm. But, like, you can address different things within Christianity without throwing it all out. But that just doesn't seem like it's what they do. They don't handle each situation. They just write everything
2: off. Yes. And I I will say, yeah, I mean, there is definitely a a writing off, I think, for some. I think some people really spend several years wrestling as well. So, yeah, you're going to have people that are, yeah, this is a problem. I've never heard anybody address this. I don't really care about this anymore. And they do. They just throw the whole thing out. Um, and then there's some people who wrestle 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 and they can't get over maybe one particular issue It could be suffering it could be lgbtq and then they throw it out there's some that wrestle with m- several issues and then they throw it out you know yeah I mean there's a sense in which um you know Joshua Harris kind of announced his whole thing I mean he announced it right after his the announcement of his divorce and so um mm-hmm. it sounds like there's there was stuff that was <clears throat> this wasn't like a, a it doesn't seem like at all like this was a sudden decision for him like this is something he probably you know was dealing with and going through for a while and i think he took a big beating for and i think it was an unfair beating with the i stating goodbye and these kind of things purity culture look guys nobody forced you to follow the book nobody forced you to read the book you know so i get that you did and i get that you believed it and i get that it impacted you but at the end of the day like you make your own choices. And I, you know, and I remember when I was dating goodbye, was like the thing and everybody in church was reading it. And, you know, we were encouraged to not date and to really look for courtship and meaningful relationships. And I chose to follow that. I didn't have to, but I did. Yeah. And so I think he took a bit of an unfair beating from people who later on said, you ruined my life. You ruined my day. I mean, they, they went all kind of, and it really <laughs> hurt him. Yeah. So that he apologized, took his books off the shelf, you know, tried to do everything to kind of rectify it. But, I, you know, I, I just think that there was a sense in which I think he, maybe the maybe he felt, I don't know, I can't speak him. maybe he felt like the Bible failed him on this. Like, I thought this was the godly way and look, it's only caused pain. Maybe it's not true or whatever. I don't know. I don't know his reasoning, but I think, you know, that was a hard beating for him. And and so I think this whole deconstruction thing, it was interesting because I think it was the day after he put his post on Instagram about how him deconstructing. One of the things he talks about was he in in his Instagram post, he did an apology to the LGBTQ plus community for things that he taught in his books and for not standing with marriage equality and not affirming their place in the church and things like that. But then the very next day, he showed a picture of him at, him at a gay pride parade. So it seems like, that there, that maybe for him the LGBTQ issue was a big deal as well, and so there's a range of issues as as to where people are, are going from. But yeah, it's become a fad. I, I I do think there's an aspect of that because once you hashtag it, once you put mm-hmm. it in a group, yeah, now now it's it's become like a group formation.
0: And, and do you think it's evolved at all? I, I mean, obviously it's in certain in a certain aspect that we've already talked about. But like, uh, I remember these videos were like a big hit. Uh, maybe back in the 90s, where it was like, take the challenge of uh, uh, denying the Holy Spirit. Or what, was the, what was that called? It was like the whole, like, the, uh, the blaspheming the Holy the, yeah, Spirit. Yeah, the challenge of blaspheming the Holy Spirit. And it was like, oh my gosh, they're going to say it, and they say it, and it was like, oh look, nothing happened. Like, God didn't smite them or anything like that. And it's like, hmm. is that kind of what it's evolved from? maybe, or it, it, like what other kind of connections, uh, that we've seen in the past couple of decades have brought us to this point where it's like, let's roll out the red carpet for this idea, you know?
2: Yeah. You know, I don't, I, that's issue. I don't know what this, the blessing of the Holy Spirit, I don't remember that movement. Um, so I don't, can't say necessarily if it came kind of breached out of that, but I think, you know, we, we we live in a culture right now that is dealing with a lot. It's a very different culture than even 60 years ago. So 60 years ago, Billy Graham era, people go to church, people believe the Bible, people, I mean, it's just, there was almost like an automatic, this is what we do. And for better or worse, um, I'm not saying that was right or wrong or good or bad. I'm just saying that's what it was versus today. For day, today, what religion has been propped as or or displayed as, as religion has been displayed as the way that stupid people engage with life. So stupid people need an emotional crutch, or they just like to believe things that makes it feel good, or they don't stop and question decisions that they make or why they're making decisions or who they follow. So this is something that is for the really unintelligent. But as for me, I'm an intelligent, rational thinker, reasonable person, free thinker, And so therefore, I'm not going to get swept up by this child's play. And so what you essentially have is not so much whether or not it's true. It's about if you want to be an intelligent, rational thinking person, then you really need to analyze to death what you believe in. And if there's anything you can't answer or that you can't quite sort out, that should make you question the whole thing. And so it's almost pitched as, uh, and I'll speak specifically for just for Christianity as opposed to religion in general now, but Christians are the unintelligent and the non-Christian world, meaning the non, the people like maybe we more the atheist agnostic world, those are the intelligent people. And so it's almost like pitched as this false dichotomy which doesn't really exist. And the reality is when you say to somebody, look, you better analyze it to the T, I fully agree with that. Go ahead and analyze it. But don't, but when you put the the pressure on that, if there is something you can't answer, that should make you, really doubt a whole lot of it, you need to understand something, guys. Not every scientist understands everything about how science works. But that doesn't mean the whole field of science doesn't work. Not every mathematician can explain this certain equation or can understand why these things happen. It doesn't mean the whole thing gets thrown out. We still know mathematics exists. We still know science exists. We just don't know the answer now. And that's the yeah. key thing that people need to realize. You may not know the answer to a particular question in Christianity, but number one, it doesn't mean that you're you've never asked, that nobody's ever asked that question before but number two it doesn't mean there isn't an answer it means you just don't know it and that is kind of maybe the better approach to take with things and and there is ways that christianity can be don't get me wrong like if there's massive issues with christianity i'm not saying you should believe it ignore all the problems if we dig up jesus body tomorrow uh we can prove with jesus body guys this whole thing is nonsense okay and paul tells us that in first Corinthians 15 so there are ways that christianity can be falsifiable but to say that oh I just can't answer these two three questions or oh, I don't like its morality here. To me that's not that's not necessarily always enough depending on the question or the moral issue.
0: Yeah.
1: We can be done now. <laughs> <laughs> so I was just thinking it's not deconstruction in the same way, but what about the Christians or churches? that are taking things in scripture to twist them to meet what they want them to mean now. And so in some ways that that's almost a deconstruction of the intention of scripture. Mm. So it's not deconstruction of, you know, these other people were seeing, but in some way they're still deconstructing because they're not following a Bible that doesn't exist. But they are hoping and that the Bible says that or they're saying, well, the Bible would say this now, you know. Mm-hmm. So I guess I never thought of it that way. But I'm like, well, are they technically Christians if they are not believing what Christ preaches as the gospel?
2: Mm. But they're still
1: claiming Christianity.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's a big question, Danielle. I mean, and this is really, I think, where the, a lot of the church is really today. That's why you see even denominational splits as if we don't have enough. You see even more <laughs> mm-hmm. because people are landing on different areas on a lot of really particularly social issues. You know, we say, oh, we don't understand why the Bible would say this. Therefore, we must reinterpret the scripture because it doesn't make sense to me. And we become the arbitrator of right and wrong, which is a very interesting stance. But yes, the, the, oftentimes the churches now are struggling to they're struggling to know how to get along with people who are not Christians. And, and it's, and, and and that's where a lot of the compromise is. So in other words, if somebody believes a certain moral stance, that's different than me. How am I, how do I, how do I love them? Even though I disagree with what they do. And it's like, guys, how do you love every other friend that you have who does things that you disagree with? Like every single friend I have does something I'm sure that I disagree with. like, and I think we get so cut up, especially with the sexuality thing. we've made it so big that, that it makes us like not like feel like we don't even know how to interact with somebody from the LGBTQ community. Guys, they're just people who are attracted to people of the same sex or who have gender who, who, who you know who say I'm biologically born this way, but I, I identify as the opposite gender, whatever it might be. That's it. Like I think we need to like we've almost blown up so big that we feel like we can't engage with somebody. Unless we make massive changes. I've had friends that are um, part of the LGBT community. We've never had issues. They know where I stand. I know what they do. And we don't care because my friendships are never based on someone's sexuality, heterosexual or homosexual. So nobody really cares. And so, but we feel like as as a church body, oh, well, we can't be friends. We can't be loving. We can't be, unless we start to change our stance. And I just don't even, that's just not even, um, necessary. I I don't think people require that. So yeah, I think this is part of the reason why the church is changing their stance on things. And you ask a very dangerous question, you know, like how is it that we're, you know, we're still saying we're Christians, but man, we are changing some gospel things. And that's, that's pretty serious. You know, it's one thing to say, I disagree with somebody's morality or agree, or I agree with somebody's morality. It's another thing though, when you say, well, you know, Jesus, you know, he really, he really wouldn't send people to hell. I mean, you know, God wouldn't really do that. I mean, and and I mean, you know, I I, I I'm sure that you know people are really really good. I mean, just because they end up being born in a Muslim country and they believe in Islam, I mean, of course they're going to end up going because God is good. We start doing some of these things, and we have some issues. Yeah, yeah. we have some issues.
1: Yeah, I think like on and because I'm sure all the places you've been, um, I definitely see the side of like the Christians who. Too- who cannot find themselves being able to be friends with people who disagree? But I think I personally run into more of people who don't want to have anything to do with me because they know what I believe. Mm-hmm. Like they've never actually yeah, sat they already write you have off. Have a conversation yeah. with me. It's just you're a Christian. That means you don't like what I do, and you're useless to me. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, it, it's kind of on both sides. We're like, guys, can we just sit down and like actually get to know each other and sure. realize there are other things in life that we can get along on mm-hmm. that we can be friends that I can care for you and
2: mm. um so it's just kind of sad like it just, is it's messy <laughs> it is I mean it shouldn't be that way it really shouldn't be the yeah. way and part of the problem is that Christianity in the public has been so ugly that they automatically associate you with the public figures they see and they think you're like them yeah, yeah. and that's what makes it really sad is they never get a chance to know you and realize oh there's a different way that Christians can be
0: and yeah. I was going to add to that, that a, a lot of Christians don't want to get into that mess. They want to just mm. like fly solo and just like under the co- under, under the radar. They want you know, to stay I just clean. Don't, I want to be, I want to stay clean and pure. I can't get involved with that, you know? Um, and even using ministry as a, a cop-out as well. It's like, well, I've done my missionary work. I've done, I have went on that trip. I went on that trip. And it's kind of like, well, okay, what's going on at home though? Like where, Mm. what's going on right where you are at? Because like a a two week trip to wherever is just like a tiny little blip on the whole timeline of history. And uh, it it, it just seems like we're using the good things that we're doing as an excuse to avoid getting into the fray,
1: Mm. you know,
0: entering into that crucible, you know, and, Mm. and just I'll just live my life how it's going and be allowed to ignore it.
2: Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, a lot of it comes down to the, you know, Christianity is counterculture. It is.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And we have to get comfortable with that, comfortable in the tension. And it doesn't help that we live in a culture that says you can't disagree with somebody and still be. Their friend. And that's why I really appreciate people like Jonathan Haidt and Jordan Peterson who are calling this junk out. Like this is not, Jonathan Haidt and his calling of the American mind um, really addresses this idea that we are, you know, we the disagreement. Um, people trying to solve problems like this is essential. These are these are important attributes for productive society and these kind of things. And so this idea of, you know, disagreements and not necessarily connecting and being friends and and causing barriers. I mean, this is actually not what's going to lead to a functioning society, a healthy Mm. functioning society. Yeah.
0: So speaking of fads, um, we've, we've done a lot of different research and listened to different podcasts and books and everything. And one of the things that we're, I, I don't know about Danielle, but I've been like almost infatuated with learning about different cults (laughs) and uh, um, it's just a lot of stuff is just really super interesting to me and and how they get to the point of having a cult, uh, like a real cult uh, functioning for a while anyway. (laughs) Uh, But one of the things that I see coming up into the church is that it's mainly, I want to be able to have you comfortable when you come to my church so I'm not going to go into those hard topics. I'm not going to go into the, it's kind of like the, the whole flip side of what we've already talked about. We're just going to completely avoid any of that kind of stuff and not even mention it. In the meanwhile, let's do stuff that makes you feel good. Mm. Yeah, you know, like let's, let's make sure the message that we give is something that is uh something that you can apply to your life right now in this kind of a situation instead of actual equipping. And I see maybe down the line, uh, down the line when that, you know, when reality hits in, Hey, there's stuff in life that's really hard and everything that I've learned at church so far is not working. So therefore Mm -hmm. enter the deconstruction.
2: Exactly. Dom. I fully, I think that's a great point. Absolutely. I mean, so right, we, we, we don't want to say things that are might be offensive or might hurt somebody or might make them not want to come. So then we say things that make people feel good. But here is the thing. The, questions, the questioning of Christianity, if you're not going to do it in the church, don't think that it isn't happening outside the church. Mm. In other words, the people that come in are getting the feel-good messages, then go outside you know, are in their normal everyday lives with their friendships, and their friends are questioning them. Their friends are, um, yeah, throwing things at them, and they because they all they've had is feel good messages. They don't have any foundation to respond back, and they haven't yeah. thought about these things before. And that, yes, that's absolutely can factor into the whole deconstruction thing. Absolutely, you know, it's one of the reasons. So whenever I speak anywhere, um, I I do my Q and A's are always open to any questions. Let's say I speak on suffering. I allow the Q and A's to be open to anything, even that I didn't speak on any question that's not related to the topic or related to topic. I want people to ask whatever they want to ask. And one of the reasons I do that is because while I maybe went in somewhere to speak about suffering, somebody may have a question on God of the old Testament. Why is he act the way he does? And, it, and, and, and it's important to engage with the questions that people have, because that's what they're oftentimes dealing with before they come in the door. And so Um, I, and I, and so some of these questions, so picking down to the Old Testament, somebody might Google it and they're going to, they're going to see a list of things that are people are going to have that are problematic with, with how God acted in the Old Testament. And if, if I, if the church is not willing to address it in their local church, well, then at least I want to be able to address it for somebody because the reality is that they are getting these challenges from somewhere. And so, yes, I think you're absolutely right when the church is not addressing this, Then they're going to go to the internet and maybe it's going to get even worse based on what they read on the internet. And then where are they going to go for answers? And so you're absolutely right. I mean, this is why we need to be willing to go deeper in our churches today than maybe what we are commonly used to. Because this is a culture that is really questioning Christianity, we need to do a better job of equipping and teaching Christians that the the Christian uh, belief system is actually grounded in something. It has a foundation to it. So they're better able to engage with people outside of the church environment.
0: Yeah. I've asked this question before on the podcast, but since you're on it, I'll ask it again. Uh, But how many times have you heard on a Sunday morning uh, a message that was from the book Song of Songs?
2: Oh, that's interesting. (laughs) Maybe (laughs) two or three times.
0: Really? Mm-hmm. That's two or three times more than what anybody else has answered <laughs> oh really? Oh yeah because uh, it's one of those books, especially other uh other Old Testament books, especially like uh, uh zephaniah Leviticus. zechariah oh, oh, zephaniah. Leviticus. Good yeah. One. um yeah. Uh, and even Amos uh, I love the yes. book of Amos it, it's such an amazing book uh, but a, a lot of those things are typically avoided because well it's it's really hard to understand. Yeah. And, and it frustrates me so much. Where it's like, okay, we're just going to continue to equip people with the ooey gooey, gooey, f- good uh, feeling messages instead of saying, "Hey, right now there's a there's a whole slew of things happening in society. So yes. what about this whole social social justice thing? Let's go through Amos because that there's a lot of that in Amos. Mm-hmm. Instead of uh, you know, okay, I can't say all the time." No superlatives, um, but we always tend to gravitate towards those Isaiah passages about Christ, or the Old Testament mm. stories mm-hmm. of like the mm-hmm. Exodus and the Flood, mm-hmm. and even and even Jonah then, and Jonah. Yeah, and even then, though, because that's oh, that's controversial. Because did he actually get eaten by a whale? Did the flood right. actually have? You know, it's like. Now, like you were saying, people are starting to think better, you know, but it's like, <laughs> how do we come to terms with that? And and it's just absent. We really need to start getting into those parts of the Bible where, okay, yeah, it might be boring to, for some people, but come on, where's the fire? Bring the fire mm-hmm. so it's not, so it's not boring. I'm sure fire is somewhere in Leviticus. <laughs> well,
1: we also, we have like a good example. So a friend that Ray had they brought into our group, she's in college. She came out of a cult,
0: mm. uh, but a
1: Christian, a Christian cult, mm-hmm. and she never was able to read the Bible herself until she left for college, where a lot of her friends left the you know, whatever form of faith they could possibly have. She's searching, but she came over on Sunday and she had a whole bunch of questions about Hosea for Dom. Because
0: mm-hmm. she had only
1: ever heard the things of like, well, God is good and God is love, and that doesn't meet up with what I just read in Hosea. Can you explain those to me. And I was like, but that's so many Christians I know that like, and I don't know if it's because they can't figure out that it's the same God and you know, that he is still good. So they don't, you know, they don't want to read that because it, they don't think that's who God is anymore. Hmm. You know what I mean? So like, mm-hmm. but it was just very interesting seeing her come wow. because I feel like most people in the situation she's come out of, they would be the ones to deconstruct Mm. Or just totally walk away but she's
2: she's wrestling and staying in it and it's very it's interesting. Very interesting. <laughs> so she's staying in she's staying in in like with her original place that she grew up with No no, actually, no. she's she, not even welcome. she back actually
0: got anymore. kicked out yeah
2: oh
1: yeah. oh wow. Um, no she goes to Grove City College. okay and her minor is biblical biblical studies and she said she okay. chose that because she wanted to learn how to read the Bible for herself.
0: Got um, you Good for super her smart wow. too but, very smart. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But she like she texts me and she goes, Um, I had some questions about Hosea. Can I bring my Bible over? <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> wow. So, yeah. She came to the right We people. also
0: we also had spaghetti cooked. So I mean, yeah. Yeah. like we have food yeah. for you
1: and But um
2: listen if yeah, you feed was... cow students, they
1: will come. Oh yeah. Oh they will. Yeah. Anywhere that they can find free food and home cooked food. Yeah. Is like <laughs> knock knock, can I join your dinner tonight? <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's so true. Yeah. yeah,
2: no, I, Um. you know, it's interesting. So at, at Creation Fest this year, one of the talks that I did, I intentionally wanted to do, and it was talking, and it was both the devotional, like kind of morning ones were dealing with looking at the Old Testament and connecting it to the new, looking at the old and connecting to the new. And I was intent to do that because of what you just talked about, Dom. And I think mm-hmm. you make a really good point here with what we choose to speak a, speak from on a Sunday morning you're absolutely right when's the last time you heard a message from Amos or Zephaniah or Haggai or you know I mean like <laughs> yep. you know something like we, we we do we go to the Isaiah passage we go to some psalms um you know we, we we don't necessarily man I would love to hear something on Job I mean I love Job it's my favorite Job and James are my favorite books of the Bible but I love Lamentations and the reason why I love Lamentations is I heard a preacher preach it once I'm like this book is amazing. Everything is a train wreck. Mothers are like <laughs> eating their children. This is so desolate. This is Everything so bad. Everything is a train
1: wreck. Let's read it.
2: Everything is so <laughs> bad in this book. And then it's like the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases yeah. his mercy shall not that's the song version i always know the song version we sang growing up the steadfast love of the lord never ceases his mercy shall never come to our to an end they are new every morning great is thy faithfulness once again that's the song version that's the text version but the song <laughs> comes from that yeah. um but that idea of like in the middle of absolute chaos and grief and despair and everything is wrong in life they have this this moment of like okay god you haven't changed. You're still faithful. You're still good. I'm like, why are we not teaching this book more often? Like it's brilliant in this little interjection in here. And so what happens is, you're right, Don, we, we stick with the feel good things and we don't understand that the biblical story and especially the story of Jesus starts at Genesis 1.1. It does not start at Matthew 1. It doesn't right. start in Isaiah.
0: Right. Yep.
2: The story of Jesus, you, you, when you understand the Jewish sacrificial system that God had set up, then it makes more sense why Jesus is the final sacrifice. Otherwise, you're wondering why did he die? Why did he die on the cross? Guys, there's a whole connection here that is linking back to Jewish history and systems that, that God had set up. Um, you know, you've got the curtain ripping when Jesus dies. If you don't understand the temple structure and how the Holy sense. of Holies was behind that, yeah. you're not gonna understand what that meant. Oh, some curtain over some window ripped. You're not gonna yeah. get it. Like God was, this was a special sacred place in the temple that God was. The Holy of Holy there. The Ark of the Covenant was there. And like the presence of God was there. And it's ripped. Like the presence of God is with men. He's tabernacle and he is with men at the death of Jesus. Like it's, this is no longer you have to go to a temple. You can actually engage with him one-on-one. There's so many things that we miss by just teaching New Testament and not yeah. teaching Old Testament. Yeah. And and so it seems it can seem like Jesus is a really nice guy. He just does some really nice things. He loves some people. Boy, let's really just love all kind of people and care about the poor. And then they read something in the old testament where God carries out judgment and they're like, oh my goodness, I didn't know this was Christianity. That's because nobody taught <laughs> you the Old Testament. Yeah. Yeah. Because if they taught you that God in the Old Testament was a God of judgment, you would have seen that God in the New Testament was a God of judgment as well. Yeah. It's just that the judgment is carried out on Jesus. Yeah. But if you don't see that from the Old Testament, you're going to miss these things. It's the same God. And so, yes, I think you're so right, Dom. Like, we really have to really evaluate, reevaluate what we're teaching and how we're teaching it. Because all these things lead to the deconstruction of people.
1: I mean, because most people that I would ever talk to, like we said, the Old Testament stories, they've never gotten deeper than their Sunday school version of. I mean, because we actually did like a study on Jonah. But like an actual study and like where Raylan at the end was going, that's the end of the book. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know, things, we had no idea because we were never taken that far yeah. as children or even in youth group. And so if people either aren't like taught or even encouraged to go beyond those typical little stories, they don't, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> um, and it's rough. I mean, they're definitely rough books yeah. sure. to get through. But <laughs> I, like I think they're essential.
0: I think one of the, two of the biggest problems is that, uh, and, and this is from my own experience, uh, and, and it's, I wouldn't be surprised if it's more prevalent than what I'm even thinking. Uh, but the first one I've, I've been told before that education is not everything. So it's kind of like, you know, yeah, you, you achieved a master's degree. Education is not everything. And it's like, well, thanks. I, I put my sweat and blood into this. Um, I felt God prompting me to, to pursue this. And now you're telling me it's just kind of lackluster. It's okay, but, you know, tone it down. It's kind of like there's this false humility where we can't say that we actually know what God wants us to know. Mm. You know, there there's this word of God. We should be in it constantly, and we should know it pr- really well. Um, and the second thing is—I've uh, slipped my mind—the— uh, time that it takes to actually go through these books and learn them it's just not there the time is not available for pastors to do that you and, know and, and I really feel like the church really needs to support their pastors in continuing mm. their education to mm. know this book even better not just like hey I read my Bible today I, I, I sat there and and prayed while I read I did my devotions and yada yada yada. But it's got. There's got to be something that the church does to support their pastor in knowing it better, so that they mm. therefore can give it better.
2: Mm. Yeah, I mean, so this is where Sunday school, like a lot of my stuff as a kid, and a lot of my Bible knowledge came from my Sunday school classes. Great Sunday school teacher, great Sunday school experience. And, you know, adult Sunday school might be something that would help with some of this, where you can actually like dig into some of these things. Beyond because the pastor is always jostling. There's somebody here who isn't a Christian. There's somebody yeah. here who's been a Christian for 50 years. There's somebody here who's been a Christian for five days. And and you're trying to you're trying to have something that's reaching everybody, right? Mm-hmm. So you you you've got the broad range whereas you go know, to Sunday's class, like, look, we're gonna go deep here. Everybody knows that's what they're doing. And that could be a great avenue, maybe, to to do those kind of things. So whether it's a Sunday's class or it's a Tuesday night class, whatever it is. Um, the point is these extra times, like, you know, the, the biblical text, there is so much, there's so much. And then you have the early church that was writing on the biblical text, like writing about, you know, like they actually wrote commentary on a lot of these things. Like they'd read something and they'd say commentary. So, I mean, like there is so much stuff to read and learn and study about all of these things that, yeah, I mean, additional time could be very helpful for people.
1: Mm-hmm. Do you have suggestions, ideas, whatever, about how to get Christians, and I'm saying more specifically Christians, to get passionate about the Old Testament, because that's, like, where yes. we have found our issue to be. Like, if we held out a class, like, so Dom held out the option of leading an Amos class, and there were two other classes going on that was Hebrews and First Peter. Yes. Those classes were packed, and our friends came to Dom. Mm-hmm. And it's just, but, and that's just, but I've seen that not just there, like that was just a personal example, but like, I don't see any kind of excitement or desire to say, hey, yeah,
2: let's take that class. That sounds great. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I will tell you, you're in a tough competition when you're up against Hebrews. (laughs) (laughs) But Hebrews is all based off of Old Testament. I mean, yeah. it is just unpacking the Old Testament. We have a New Covenant. We have a new high priest. I mean, if you don't understand the Old Testament, that's not gonna make any sense. So I mean, Hebrews is all it's doing is expounding on the Old Testament for times post Jesus, how the connection with Jesus and that. So that is tough competition. Um, but I mean I, I think too, you know, it, it could just be that people maybe they just needed more sessions or more more opportunities to to do it, you know, and, and maybe it's just yeah, if you maybe if you had done another couple rounds of it, more more people would have come. You know, I, I don't know, but I think maybe teaching from the Old Testament more often would let people realize that there's something to it. I think I think the church kind of feels that the Old Testament is there, but it's not really relevant to me. It's just a bunch of stories yeah, about it's the people not
0: necessary, exactly.
2: Yeah. You know, God freed them. We've we see you know Charles and movie every Easter, <laughs> <laughs> and they and they just think that that's. What the Old Testament, the significance of the Old Testament, but when you yeah. really dig into some of the other things, and that's why Hebrews is really great because Hebrews Hebrews does that. You're like, oh my goodness, actually, these things in here are actually relevant for me. So yeah, I think that there might be maybe it's just and an, just trying it more often. Also, it could just be hearing it more often from um, the pastors, or, you know, from the pulpit, just to say, look, you know, this we have all these social justice issues or concerns. You want to learn about justice and caring for the people go take this class on whatever or something like that. Like that could be helpful too. So yeah. Yeah.
1: Hmm. So do you find a lot of deconstruction coming down to the, the things
2: that are social justice matters right now? Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I think, I think a lot of the deconstruction has to do with problems with the biblical text, um, moral, and ethical issues, whether that is, um, sexuality, whether that's hell, whether that is, um, you can go down any, honestly of the moral things that our people are at odds with the church with right now. Um, I think it could also, I think sexuality is probably a really big one though. Yeah. Um, and I think the idea that there is this battle between science and Christianity is if Christians have, were never scientists in the first place. I've actually had somebody tell me who was deconstructing. Pastor's kid grew up in church in his thirties. Now thirties at the time, married, and now all of a sudden he's he used to lead Bible studies. Now he's walking away from his faith, and his wife who's a Christian is like, "Oh my goodness, what's going on?" But he actually told me, I was like, because he, he was like, "Well, I believe in rational thinking. I'm a free thinker, and I believe in science." And I'm like, "Do you really?" don't you believe that there's Christians who are scientists? Like, well, they can't be very good scientists. He generally believes they can't be very good scientists to be a Christian. That's an impossibility. Hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I think that these the, these kind of battles that some people have with between science and religion also plays a part as well. Um, that science will give us all the answers, which is silly because science can't give us moral or ethical issues answers it can't give us moral answers it can't give us answers to so a lot of things which is fine it doesn't have to it's, it's one particular field of study so I think that there's I think there's a bunch of reasons I think too you know Christianity asks a lot of us and I think in a culture maybe where there weren't all of these temptations and options so go back maybe a hundred years it was a different world and people just culturally lived differently The the distance between Christianity and the culture wasn't quite so big. It didn't maybe require as much of you. Now it's asking more. It's asking more of you. And for some people, it's just more than they want to give.
0: And I I think that that's playing a part in as well. I would even say it's not necessarily asking. It's more demanding.
2: Mm.
0: More, More than asking, anyway.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's a very challenging era. I mean, I, I really feel, as I talk to two parents here, um, raising kids, this is a really challenging era, for raising kids with, with social, media. I was just reading today about, um, you know, once again, to go back to Jonathan Haidt, but well, I like Jonathan Haidt, because as far as I know, he's not a Christian. I don't think he is, but he's just a brilliant sociologist, and he's and he's calling out a lot of the cultural things, so one of the things that he's talking about is he was noticing the rates of depression and anxiety and all of these things going up, drastically suicide attempts or suicidal thoughts, drastically. Um, And I think it was between, I think it was 2007 to 2015 or maybe 2011 to 15, something like that, that general area. And when they looked into it, they realized this is when phones came out. And you had a middle school um, age group that for the first time was growing up in a cell phone world. Yeah. And every that's changed things. People are not connecting as much, they're not hanging out with each other as much cuz they're doing it all over the phone. In other words, you're not having the healthy disagreements, you're not having the healthy relational dynamics that you need to work through. You're you're becoming more reclusive, you're retreating, you're becoming more isolated, you're becoming more sad, you're becoming all of these things and like this is a very different generation and very challenging to raise children. Um, Now when you've got all of these draws of social media telling you where where teenage people, boys and girls already don't like how they look. Now social media is telling you why you shouldn't like how you look and this is how you should look. And they got their pictures. And I mean, we've we've had that in the past, but now it's like unlimited in your hand. Yeah. You're not picking a magazine, turn on the TV anymore.
1: Well, now on every platform of social media, they're being told what to think about everything. Where like, I think that's part of the issue is like a hundred years ago, We probably had the same issues, but you didn't, you couldn't get it from one side of the world to the other (laughs) in the blink of an eye. Like we now were worrying about things that our brains and hearts were never meant. Like I I now know like a hundred people who have prayer requests or issues. And I'm like, you know what? I don't even know these people, but because they're on my phone, on my social media, I automatically feel like I'm supposed to be burdened for them, like individually. And I'm going, my heart and my brain can't handle it Mm -hmm. and like and I think our kids get that too they get inundated Mm -hmm. with you know you should think this you should not think this you should wear this you should say this you should listen to this and it's hard to not be liked
2: yeah yeah it is it is it's hard to not be liked. that's exactly it (laughs) It's hard to not be liked. It's hard before this. It's even harder yeah. now because you get affirmation when you make a post and you get a bunch of likes. And if you don't get a bunch of likes, that makes you not feel so good about yourself. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And so you try better the next time and then you mm-hmm. switch it up a little bit to make it more attractive to, you know, all of these
2: things. Exactly. Yep. <sighs> yep. <Yeah. Yeah.
1: laughs> it's very interesting. So do you have um, I've been looking into doing apologetics with Sophia to be homeschool. Um, but do you know of any actual courses that are like even high school level, middle school, high school level that you know you would encourage parents to say, "Hey, your kids would like this," without it being like too dumbed down, like they're little little kids, but without it being,
2: hmm.
1: you know, way over their head.
2: Yeah. Um. Uh Mama Bear Apologetics. Yes, we love them. Okay. I'm to think. Hillary. Yeah. Um and there's a there's some more in that vein. Um I'm forgetting some of their names now. Shame on me. Um, but I, I have not read Mama Bear Apologetics, but I know people that have really found it helpful. Um, and there is actually a very good um discipleship. I don't know if it's spread out of Florida yet, but the C.S. Lewis Society in Florida. Does something called Seven by Seven, which is actually a discipleship group um, okay. that runs for, I think it's middle schoolers and high schoolers in people's houses, and it's really yeah. really good. They cover a bunch of different topics from things like um, just kind of the foundations of Christianity, and they do that for seven weeks. Then the next seven thing, seven weeks might be apologetics, and then the following seven weeks might be evangelism, and it okay. goes on like that. Um, so Seven by Seven, I just don't know if it is you might be able to, if you go to see a society website in florida um tampa i believe is where it where it is and you'll you can find some stuff on that uh but i think those are probably the two that i know of and it's a shame that i can't think of anymore because i feel like there's definitely more out there but i think once you start looking at mom Apologetics, she might reference some other people that might be really helpful to um check that out yeah, yeah. do you know hillary uh, you know Hillary and I, yeah we we met at um so women there's actually a pod, uh, conference called Women in Apologetics. Okay. Yeah, it happens every year. You're welcome to attend. Even men can come. Thank uh, you. And it's yeah, you're, you're welcome down. You're not excluded. <laughs> um, but basically it, it it's a conference where different women that are already whether it's professional or just um as on their side because they maybe have other full time jobs where they come and they do. Um, diff- they're all involved in apologetics and they do some different teachings they run seminars this kind of thing so i yeah so hillary was at women in apologetics we both were there at the same time a couple years back so actually it was 2020 before covid january 2020 oh, nice. i know we, we asked before that before that so yeah i did we did meet there yeah and she's really great so yeah because yeah.
1: she just was like walking through
2: is it cancer
1: or some other? It was another illness.
2: Yeah, I, I don't know specifically, but I, I know that she's been really struggling. So I am I just do hope that that's better. Yeah. Yeah. No, they're awesome. The stuff that they put out is, it's good stuff. There's just,
1: there's so many things out there that I'm like, I don't want to just assume, hey, it says apologetics. That must mean it's good.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So. Right. Yeah. And one thing I want to just add on with the deconstruction thing is one thing we have to ask ourselves is a question that Jesus' disciples um, essentially asked. Um, Because it's one thing to say Christianity isn't true, but it's another thing to say then what is? And I've had times in my life where I've questioned Christianity, specifically in college. I really just like walked away and like, forget this stuff. Very short time, maybe a couple months, not very long. Um, but the question that you always have to ask yourself is what are you going to walk away to? What are you going to? And so with deconstruction, you know, you, I kind of think about it as a puzzle. So you have a puzzle that's fully completed, and it's completed, and the picture is Christianity. But then you start to have issues. And so one by one, you're pulling apart those puzzle pieces. And so now you don't have the picture of Christianity more, you've got a bunch of fragmented puzzle pieces. And the question is, okay, you've taken the part, you've deconstructed, it's not Christianity more. But what now will you do with the pieces? Because you still have to form something because something is still influencing your moral choices. Something is still influencing how you view the value or non-value of other people. Something is still influencing whether or not you think life has meaning. Something is still influencing how you think we got here, the origins of the universe, et cetera. In other words, you can walk away from Christianity, but that doesn't mean that something else, that, 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 that nothing, that doesn't mean that you can therefore say, well, I'm just going to go just live my life and never ask about truth again. You need to find truth. And so oftentimes I really tell people, look, you want to deconstruct, that's fine. But you've got to ask yourself, what do you do the pieces? How can you put that puzzle back together and have all the pieces fit? If it's a thousand-piece puzzle, you don't get to cheat and only use seven hundred pieces. Can you formulate something that is coherent, that is consistent, that is backed by evidence, that is backed by witness testimony, um, that is going to use all one thousand pieces again? And so, the person who's out there who's listening to this, and maybe that is just feeling like, you know, I want I, I deconstructed, or I think deconstructing is in my future, okay, but understand the journey isn't done when you deconstruct. What will you now do with the fact that you're not sure what is true? Because you have to reconstruct something. You have to create another puzzle that's going to shape and give a foundation to what is actually you believe in. And it needs to be something that you can back up with truth.
0: Amen.
1: Good stuff. So have you ever talked to somebody who deconstructed and came back? Hmm. Um, questions I know
2: (laughs) I want to say I mean nope goodness I'm sure I have I just can't think of somebody's specific name right now but I'm sure I have I mean I've had friends that have walked away and yeah and then to come back yeah I'm sure I have I just can't even think of it but yeah I mean there's there's I've met people that have walked away and you know really struggled and then came back or all these kind of things, people maybe who grew up in a certain denomination or a certain branch of Christianity, and then they walk away and become atheists and they come back to something else. So, yeah, I mean, I think that there's definitely those, those situations. Cause once again, it's just people who are Christians that say, I no longer believe it's true. Yeah. And so that's happened for sure in my life, for sure. With people that I knew. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. All right. I have a question. All righty. <laughs> okay.
0: Ray, I forgot you were there. I know. I was very intently listening. <laughs> so quiet.
2: I was listening very intently. Especially
0: like, since Aw. I haven't seen your forehead in a while.
2: I know. i have here it. the whole time. <laughs> Why can't we? You won't show us you. It's because I look like a hobo at the moment. Anyway, <laughs> before
1: I forget the question. <laughs> before I forget <laughs> the question. So deconstruction is question, questioning your faith to the point, obviously you're pulling it apart. The puzzle thing was actually a really good analogy, but is there a sense if you're a part of like the quote Christians who aren't teaching things that are
2: necessarily correct with the Bible, is that when you can almost say deconstruction is an appropriate tool? That's an interesting question. I mean, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. I mean you, you can deconstructure from that particular belief um and then maybe you what you reconstruct is actually going to be real true Christianity. Sure, I think that can work. I mean, because you know deconstruction isn't unique to Christianity, right? Mm-hmm. Um, an atheist can deconstruct where they're at, or um, Hindu can deconstruct or whatever. You know, I mean, gen- I generally hear it used in the Christian sense, but that might be because Christians are more vocal and more proud of their deconstruction. I don't know. Um, but yeah I think I think that's a fair point. I think you could probably do that where if you are in something that doesn't seem to be lining up with the Bible, and it's so interesting when Danielle said earlier that this person she was talking with had never like been encouraged to read the Bible before. That's pretty creepy, guys. like flags, <laughs> massive flags. You know, when somebody becomes the sole authority of your information and you're not allowed to read anything else, like that's pretty crazy. Well, you guys yeah. only read the Bible. No, we don't. I read historical documentation. I read stuff from the early church. I mean, I read—I read a plethora of things. I don't just read the Bible. I read commentaries. I read—I look at maps. I mean, I do all kind of things. So, um, so that's so that was not good. That that somebody was not encouraged to read the Bible. Um, so yeah, so deconstructing from that, you're absolutely right. That would be a healthy. That'd be a good deconstruction. But then once again, once you land there, what are you now going to construct? What are you now going to put back together? And um, the challenge is for sometimes people who are in this situation they don't even want to have anything to do with Christianity at all. Thankfully for this person Danielle is talking about, it sounds like her journey is a bit different, which is wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Hmm.
1: On it, it's maybe a tangent, but I think it goes with it. <laughs> I love history, mm. so I am the the nerd that goes really deep into things that no one else cares about. Um, but there's been a lot of stuff that's come up on the historical side of things that have supported old Testament things, like without necessarily going into, you know, like the story of the Egyptians and all that stuff, they, secular historians have said, Hey, we found the Egyptian chariots in the red sea. And you know, like just all these different things that they're like, and it lines up with the era and the line, you know, all these different things. Um, Obviously, they can't necessarily prove Moses, but it's just that's that's super cool to me whenever you mm. can for the people who are like, well, I don't want to just believe the Bible's account. Mm. Well, there's so many other things where they line up if you just look in history
2: with yeah. that person. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing, guys, it's. um, You know, there's a whole society called the Biblical Archaeological Society. It's a whole website. They have magazines. And all they do is you talk about archaeological things that have been discovered that are, you know, help support this or this from the Bible, um, coins that they have found, uh, things that they have found written that affirm certain people in the Bible. We've got something. Um, I think it's a it's a it's a written piece, but it talks about actually that David. It refers to David as king of Judah, which is really interesting. Yeah, um, because David was king of Judah, and you know, so you have like archaeological things like this that are outside the Bible that affirm these kind of things in the Bible. So, really, really interesting stuff. That, yeah, absolutely. That we that that's a whole another avenue. Biblical Archaeology archeolog- biblicalarche- dot org, I believe, is their is their website. But yeah, you can dig in and find no pun intended, but you can dig and find so many really good things. <laughs> yeah. So please, many really good things on their website. Please have it intended. we love we love puns you love the puns it's punny (laughs) oh it's punny yeah yeah so you're right i mean that's what's cool about christianity is i can there's so much i can prove about christianity outside of the bible yeah so much jesus existence he was crucified it's pontius Pilate who crucified him he had followers i don't need the bible for any of those things that's written yeah. outside of the Bible, you know, stuff like that. The fact that it mentions Pontius Pilate as the person who sent him to the cross, like that is written outside of the Bible. Like that is wild. That yeah. specific is wild. What kind of sources do you use? Um, I use, I'll use, um, I so I, I use a range of sources. So it could be somebody like a really well-known guy like Josephus, who's a Jewish historian. It could be Tacitus, who's a Roman historian. I really like the early church. And and a part of the reason is these guys were really close to the events. Yeah. Um, Even if they, they, you know, they didn't meet Jesus, but they knew, maybe they knew followers, depending on who it was. They knew followers of Jesus. They knew some of the apostles. I just think these guys are really helpful because it's one thing for you to say, Jesus lived and died and rose from the dead. And you write it in a book, but somebody else from that era affirming those things is a big deal. Yeah. Because it's it's like you probably remember when Princess Diana died. Yeah. And I remember Princess Diana died. I remember where I was. I remember the time of day it was. It was like overnight. It was like nighttime. I was up to like 2, 3 in the morning watching this stuff on the news. Um, So if you want to tell me that Princess Diana didn't die, that's going to be really difficult for me to believe. Because I was there. I watched it on the news. Like I lived that experience. So if you want to tell me that Prince Diana didn't exist or that she didn't die or whatever, you're going to have to wait another 150 years for all of us and our children who died. experienced this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They died yeah. off. And that's why I find the yeah. early church really helpful because one thing the people would claim, Oh, he Jesus did these things, but these early church, these people early on would have been like, no, this is not what happened. And yeah. so I find that really helpful that early on, they 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 are actually expounding and talking about this kind of stuff. So I, I love looking at early church history. Nice. Writings, I find them really helpful. So, they write on, all, you know, they write on abortion. Essentially, they write on exposing infants. I mean, they write on all kind of things we deal with today. Yeah, hmm. I have to look into that.
0: So, speaking of archaeology, I get the uh, Biblical Archaeology Review. Oh, bar. yeah, so I get yeah, in bar. the That's the cute. latest uh, the latest one we just got last week or so. Uh, oh, one okay. of the articles in it was on the Dead Sea Scrolls. Yes, and the the Great Isaiah Scroll they used. Uh, AIs to figure out how many authors penned that scroll, and mm-hmm. they narrowed it down with uh, all the all the algorithms and everything. And it came down that there was two authors that penned it two two scribes, I should say, not authors two scribes that penned it. Because if you look at it, it's like they all look the same. Like every single letter, that same letter looks exactly the same. Uh... But this AI was able to decipher. Yeah, there's two. Uh, scribes that did it and I was like oh that's so cool that's so cool
2: (laughs) so cool because that's that is then we have the Dead Sea Scrolls have the complete Isaiah Scroll I believe I remember correctly right
0: yeah yeah there's a there's a couple of them that are complete if not almost 100% complete so great yeah and there's so much so many more of the Dead Sea Scrolls that have been found than most people would believe like we we all know the the great Isaiah Scroll but there's so many other stuff that they found that's just amazing. And there's probably so many, uh, probably twice as many that we haven't recovered. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. There wow. you go.
1: Take up archaeology, Alicia. Yeah. <laughs>
2: exactly.
1: I would do archaeology. It.
2: Yeah. That's really cool. That's really cool.
1: Mm. Yeah. I find that kind of stuff, maybe that would help some people in their journey of like Mm -hmm. finding, depending on what it what it is that they're searching for Mm -hmm. but um because there are the people that are very evidence-based people Mm -hmm. and um I mean I've got some family members that are like that that are struggling because they're so concrete-minded and so it's hard for them to go on just faith.
2: yeah sure Sure, I mean, and that's the thing. Yeah, I mean, and so some people. They, I mean, that's why I love the archaeology kind of stuff because that's not really um, biased per se. Like we're finding things, as, we're finding document like actual physical objects and yeah. places yeah. and towns. I mean, yeah. that's pretty concrete. And I think you know one of the I love about Christianity is that our faith is grounded in evidence. It's not just oh let's just believe because it's cute. No, um, <laughs> Jesus gave Thomas evidence in John chapter twenty. Before yeah. he told him to believe. He showed yeah. him his hands. He showed him the scars. And then he says, stop doubting and believe. He first gives him evidence. Then he says, stop doubting and have pistos, which is the word for faith. Yeah. You know, like, so if, if 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 we don't get evidence as Christians, boy, then Jesus got it wrong. Yeah. yeah. Poor
1: Thomas. He always gets a bad rep. Oh,
2: I know. Like whenever I like he's Thomas. preached
1: on, it's like doubting Thomas. I'm like, <laughs> but really, did you notice Jesus doesn't reprimand him for asking?
2: Yeah yep
1: he yep. didn't he hands him the evidence
0: yeah <laughs> yeah and he makes a an even better declaration I think uh, than what Peter did earlier he he literally mm. says you're my God and my king like mm-hmm. earlier Peter was like yeah you're you're the Lord you're the Messiah but he's like my God you are my lord my and my God king. yeah
2: yeah so good so so good
1: yeah good stuff. So what's a good, not takeaway, but good Hmm.
2: (laughs) wrap-up? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I think that, um, I think one, a good wrap-up might be for people to realize that questioning your faith is normal. I think people need to realize that doubting, questioning, wondering, these are normal things. And it doesn't mean God hates you. It doesn't mean that he thinks you're crazy for doubting or that you're disgusting or whatever. The question is, what will you do when you doubt a question? Will you go look for answers or will you just say, uh, I don't know if I believe this anymore and just walk away? Just understand that you're never walking away to nothing. You're always walking to something whether it's walking to your own moral system, your own framework as to how you see the world and how you understand the world, or walking to another religion and its framework, or to no religion, but that even is innate within atheism. There are, they have answers to morality. Morality is subjective. They have answers to meaning. There is no ultimate meaning. You create your own meaning, but this doesn't mean there's really an ultimate meaning. So there's answers within atheism. All of these things we walk to create frameworks for how we live our lives. So, People have doubted and questioned. I've doubted. I know so many Christians that have doubted and questioned their faith. So just because you're doubting and questioning doesn't mean that you need to throw everything out. It just once again may mean that you just don't know the answer, but doesn't mean that there isn't an answer. Uh, secondly, um, I think I think it's I think it's just helpful for us to recognize that in Christianity we have the ability to explore. Instead of panicking and freaking out that you don't know something, instead of turn it around and let it be, wow. Christian doesn't tell us I can't question. Christian doesn't tell us that I can't ask for evidence. So let me enjoy this investigation. Let me enjoy the exploration. And turn it into something that you enjoy versus something that is work or painful um, or that's a burden. And and then yes, yeah, so I think I'd say those things understand that you're walking to something and understand that the, that when you question it can be an enjoyable thing because when you turn it into something like what can I go and now learn and Jesus disciples question guys it really wasn't until he rose from the dead that they were they were more confident in him they questioned yeah they, they weren't have- sure they saw this man rise people from the dead.
0: <laughs> They had some doozies. (laughs) They had some
2: doozies. Like he solidly rose a man from the dead. And we're like, yeah, I don't know if that's good enough. What?
0: (laughs) Yeah. I I just recently was in, I forget where I was reading it. uh, When they're like, hey, should we call fire down on this town? (laughs) Like, uh, Oh, yeah. That's right. (laughs) Jesus is like, "Uh,
2: I don't think we need to do that, guys. Yeah, Yeah, I know. Good question,
0: though, guys. But no.
2: (laughs) No, we don't need to do that. We don't need to do that yeah
0: that's very much like the
1: um over exuberant teenager <laughs> really wanting to do the awesome thing
2: exactly that's the other
1: thing it's fun to think about those guys like yep. when you're little at least when I was little and you watch the old Jesus movies you know there are these old guys but like they're really not actually these old guys. <laughs>
0: Mary yeah, was to, very young. Yeah, and I have to remember that uh, John the Beloved is younger in the Gospels, and then he's older later. By the time he writes, writes the the uh, his letters and Revelation.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great point. You're absolutely right. He's
0: a lot more seasoned by then. <laughs>
2: a lot more seasoned by then. Yeah, yeah. It was, I mean, it was revolutionary. Jesus's entrance into the world was. Confusing for some, revolutionary. I mean, it was so many different things. You know, trying to figure out is he actually the one? Because so many other people claim to be the Messiah. Is he actually the one? So, yeah, yeah. that's yeah. a great point to think about it that way that these, by the time they're writing, they're much more seasoned. Yeah, it's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah.
1: Well, I have small children freaking out downstairs. Yeah, I thought so. I heard Gemma okay. screaming.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, thank you very no much. Thank you very much for, uh, for joining us. We are we like so excited when you were like, yeah, we'll do it. Um, so <laughs> oh, very excited. Um, you're so kind, of course. Yeah. Absolutely. So hopefully down the road, we'll have you again. Yeah. I keep doing this kind of thing. Um, absolutely. cause I don't, I don't want to just keep on doing just what we do. <laughs> 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 I want others in on this. Um, uh-huh. Uh, because I didn't have to prepare anything for this one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's the only reason we're making
2: you. No, like no, no.
0: That. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Um, Fair. Yeah. Fair. <laughs> I got it. Yeah, but yeah, we really appreciate you and uh, and all that you do and all that you're about.
2: Thank you, guys, Ooh, yeah. and encouragement to you and continue on with the podcast here. Appreciate what you do as well, and yeah, look forward to connecting again.
1: Yeah. Well, you're sort of stuck with me, so.
2: <laughs> You're on my marketing team. I know. <laughs> I know that's so funny.
1: Speaking of which,
0: still got to send you stuff.
2: <laughs> no
0: work Whole talk on a podcast.
2: Get
1: that out of here.
0: I guess I'll have to edit it out.
1: <laughs> uh,
0: yeah. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, if you want, if you have any questions for Alicia, or any comments, questions, or concerns. You can email us at contact at onefear.net and our website. And we'll have other information on Alicia in our uh, info on this episode. So go ahead and look there. And without any further ado, live such good lives.
1: lives.
0: (laughs) You guys were behind. You were behind. (laughs) No, we were on there. Okay, one, two, three. Live such good lives. Live
2: such good lives. lives.
0: (laughs) I think there's lag. There's lag. We'll let it go. There
2: must be. All right, they get the
0: point. All right, thanks for listening.